0: difficulty there. Hello, everyone. It's great to be here with you on this Friday evening for my show. And with my, me, I have my guest, Linda Mancinelli, and she is an author, the author of the book, which is called Before You Go, A Hospice Nurse Shares Her Experiences Caring for Her Dying Patients. Linda, thank you so much for joining us on Journeys in Faith. Well, you're welcome, and Thanks a lot for having me. Uh, I've been looking forward to this and Uh,
1: I hope your listeners enjoy it as well.
0: That's right, that's right. I am gonna ask just for the sake of a little difficulty there we have on your camera over on the, it looks a little bit on the left-hand side. I don't know if there's any way that you can um, clear that screen on the left-hand side so that we can see your beautiful face. There we go, we can see you perfectly, Linda. Thank you so much for joining us. Um, I would like to start out by reading your amazing bio. So Linda Mazzinelli Matt- is a hospice and palliative care nurse. She devoted more than 30 years to the care of terminally ill patients and their families. She believes educating the public on the end of life care is a much needed subject. To that end, she has spoken to civic organizations, service clubs and local community colleges about hospice care. Her philosophy, philosophy maintains that every dying person is entitled to die with dignity and the best pain and symptom management possible. Likewise, that their families feel supported and knowledgeable in the care of their loved ones as they take that final journey to the dying process. I think this is a very important topic. I'd like to also thank a good friend of both of ours, Bathsheba Monk, who was your publisher. Right. Bathsheba has yes, been a guest is. on the show and also uh, Nate Moran, who's another author. Uh, and so it's wonderful to have one of her you know, clients with us and so uh-huh. that you can talk right. about before you go. Before we do that, just tell us a little bit about your journey of life. Um, the show is called Journeys in Faith. So anything you wanna share about you with our audience?
1: Sure. Well, um, I was a single mom for many years And I often called on uh, God, my faith, and in particular in the Blessed Mother, Mary, because I always felt as a mother, I could talk to her. And I did, I talked to her as if she were my friend. So I have a great devotion to the Blessed Mother. Um, I feel that she got me through a lot of scrapes, if you will. Uh, I raised two beautiful daughters. My oldest daughter is a psychologist. My younger daughter works with, as we say, the little ones for early childhood development. So my faith has always been very strong. I always felt that that uh, Jesus was walking beside me. And when he was younger, uh, he must have made Mary angry at least a few times I'm thinking of when she couldn't find him in the temple. So I thought, well, you know, mother to mother help me (laughs) on the days when I might be losing my patience with my girls. But bottom line is they're beautiful people and you know we we share our faith journey and and all of us do pray a lot they don't live with me anymore but when they were here we would uh, often have conversations of how it was so important to know that there was someone um in in the name of god you know looking down on us so i brought that with me in my nursing career and especially when i got interested in end-of-life care because at that time you know people uh again, call on their faith, whatever that might be, call on God to help them uh, as they enter the dying process. And I've seen cases where people had great faith. And then people that really told me, you know, Linda, I've never been a churchgoer. I don't know, you know, can I go to heaven And, and conversations like that. And I would never force anything about religion or faith, all my patients or their families, but if they brought it up, I was glad to have the conversation. And if I felt that they would be at all more at ease after they spoke to me, then, then that was a good visit. And um, like most hospice teams, we did have a chaplain. And if this is something that I felt after discussing it with the patient and family, that they might benefit from, our chaplain would come and pray with them. And uh, if they didn't have a faith community of our own, often our chaplain would actually do the funeral service. So, you know, everything came full circle. And uh, I just always felt, um i learned so much more about living than i did about dying uh from being a hospice nurse people often think it's depressing and don't i cry all the time if it's appropriate of course i will cry but like i said the life stories that i learn, that i'm able to take with me uh and at times share maybe with other patients so it's just been a great great journey and i do And in the book, I call it a calling. I mean, of course it was my job, but I really do feel it was a calling. It's very unusual to find a hospice nurse that's been uh, in that particular field for over 30 years as I have, but I didn't do it alone. I had a guardian angel on one side and uh, everybody else on the other. So um, it it humbles me and I feel very fortunate to Mm. to have done this.
0: Well, I just want to thank you for sharing your journey with us, even if it's just a little snippet of it. Sure. Um, and what you said about the Blessed Mother and your faith, and then just living it out, and how it has made such a difference for you mm-hmm. in your career and in your life and your yes. motherhood. I mean, that's an amazing thing. So, just thank you for sharing that. You're welcome. Um, now, how did that lead? You know, obviously there was like some bridges in between your early life and then authoring this book and also being a hospice care nurse. So can you tell us any other more information about how that led to where you are now? Like what were some of those steps that happened in your life that led you to this point?
1: Sure, well, um, you know, it's interesting when you think of how things do happen and good coming out of bad, for lack of a better word. Um, I had gone through a divorce when my girls were very little. They were only five and nine. And I needed to find a nursing job at that time that better suited my children and and my uh, my daycare needs, if you will. So I prayed about it. And I remember the day I was, at that time we still uh, read paper newspapers. (laughs) And uh, back in this, uh, let's see what that would have been, Uh, the 80s, I guess. So anyway, uh, there was a job posted for a visiting nurse in Bethlehem, Bethlehem Visiting Nurses, and I thought it sounded so interesting. So I went for the interview the day after New Year's Day, and I was hired, and I started that job on January 15th. And um the hours were more conducive. So that's how I got into what we call home care. I wasn't hospice quite yet. And we would go, I would have a you know, a list of patients that I would see, and I would travel to their homes and give them the care they needed. And then one of the hospice nurses felt she wanted to leave that particular specialty and I had been helping out if you will and uh, one of my social worker friends said Linda I think you'd be good in hospice would you want to try it and I said yes I actually would so I, I tried hospice for a while and it's kind of like you know when something catches you well it got me and then I never left the field so that's how I segued and well, prior to that, I should just say quickly, I did start in hospital nursing, like most nurses do. I was in the hospital for almost 13 years, then segued, um, uh, into home care and then into hospice. So, uh, like I said, once I got into hospice, I, I really couldn't see myself doing anything else. Um, I kind of made myself a promise. You know, people will say, oh, you should write a book. You should write a book but it doesn't usually come to fruition. But with me, I kind of promised myself, when I retire, I will write a book. And what better than hospice? Because people say, write about what you know. And hospice is my heart. So uh, I did that, uh, well, almost five years after I retired. I started the book and I heard about, as you mentioned, our wonderful friend Bathsheba Monk, who has Blue Heron Books. Uh, She's a publisher, her husband Paul's an editor and she was recommended by several people, so I sought her out, and she was just great. Uh, it, was, it was like having a mentor. We would go over my chapters. She would give suggestions, and the outcome was that May of this year, my book was published, and it's just been a great journey, and I'm continuing it, and uh, again, always praying, you know, for the right words to come, and for the right people to hear uh, my messages, because I can't say it enough that Yes, it's great to read stories, but the bigger picture for me is that education of people on hospice and end-of-life care so that they know that there is such a program that can help them uh, and the families too, of course, since they are often the caregivers to help them during uh, such a difficult time.
0: Yeah, very wise, great advice, and um, I want to mention at the beginning of this show, for everybody to go to Amazon because you can uh, order the book. And again, the name of the book is called Before You Go by Linda Mancinelli. And the subtitle is a hospice nurse shares her experiences caring for her dying patients. She is a registered nurse with lots of experience. Um, there's some wonderful reviews, which I, when we come back from the commercial break, I'd like to read some of those because I think they will give you a super idea. Um, before we take our commercial break though, um, tell us if you could what have you learned about those people who are going through the dying process about their spirituality because i mean obviously the show is called journeys and faith you've seen so much of that haven't you what, what have you learned about people and their spiritual journeys
1: well you know one thing i've learned is um, people do die as they live and i say that because sometimes family members will share you know say it's a daughter and a a father and a daughter and the father is the one that's dying she'll say we haven't gotten along very well i was hoping that before he left we could have a, a better conversation or whatever the words might be and i would try to encourage them to just be honest speak their heart and um it may not change but then again it might be a small miracle so i always encourage them to do that and sometimes i did see that um people, you know, would tell me things, yeah, they're so upset about how they treated someone. And especially in the case where they knew they couldn't see them face to face. So very often, I would encourage a phone call and I'd say, well, your daughter's in California, but you know, there is the phone. Should we get her on the phone and you two can talk? And that was a great thing to see. You know, again, the small miracle where you could hear that uh, whatever may have been bothering either of the parties they were able to um, heal that a little bit before the person died. So, So that was really a good thing. And, you know, just as a general comment, I did find, at least in my observation, that people that had faith did have an easier time. And by that, I mean, they felt calmer. You know, they use words like, yes, I'm ready to go. I've led a good life. Whereas people that, because of what they shared with me, maybe didn't have a strong faith based or or they strayed from it at some point. They had a little bit of a harder time, but I would always encourage them, go back to what you know. What did you do when you were a child? You know, did you go to church, synagogue, whatever? And um, to help them to try to uh, reconcile. And that's where I would work with the chaplain as well. And our chaplain was great. He um, would reach out if there was a, uh, religious person that the patient knew maybe they already belonged to a church so he would invite that their own pastor to come to the home and have a little uh, sit down and a little prayer service uh with the patient so you know it went from people of great faith to people of you know questioning their own faith but always trying to encourage them um to pray pray on it be honest and try to talk to those people whom they felt they had strayed from. And uh, for the most part, it worked. And, and that was a great thing to be able to say and for the families as well, because they would be the ones that might pull me aside and say, gee, Linda, I'm worried about dad. He hasn't talked to my other sister in five years, things of that nature. So we, again, we, try, we always try to facilitate with just a gentle uh, intervention and hoping that the person ends up feeling a little bit better uh, after having done that.
0: Well, well said. And thank you for communicating that because I'm sure there's people watching the show right now that they know people who are going through these things. And that's why you need to get a book. So Mm -hmm. (laughs) um, yeah, that's right. Now we do need to take a quick break. So just give us a few minutes and we'll be here on Journeys in Faith. See you in a few. Thanks, Dan. Welcome back to Journeys in Faith uh, on this Friday evening. Great to be here with you. And Linda, there we go. looks like you got reset up in a better place uh, for this half of the show. Uh, good to see you back again and thank you so much for joining us. Um, so Linda, now um, I want to go back to what we were talking about before. Uh, you were talking about the people. You know, I mean, the people yes. that you have made an effect on with this ministry of yours, the work that you're doing, which extended out to this book that you wrote called Before You Go.
1: Right.
0: So I love the idea that you said that sometimes when people, um, you know, maybe when they were younger, they practiced a certain faith. Maybe it was Catholic. Maybe it was some kind of Christian or Protestant religion. Maybe it was Jewish, whatever it is. But they reach back to those roots as they're dying and might help them, as you said, sometimes they have a better time when they have some kind of spirituality or religion that they practiced um, to give them that trust in what's happening in their lives. Have you seen that happen with the people around them too? That if they're people of some kind of faith, does it make a difference too for the whole family, for other people?
1: Yes, I I really think it does. Um, One case, um, which was very different and it's in my book. Uh, of course, the names are changed, but the circumstances are the same. Uh, she's a v- she was a Vietnamese lady named in my book. Her name is Tuet. and she was of the Buddhist faith. And throughout my care of her, I could see where her family really clung to that practice of Buddhism. Uh, the, this family in particular, and I think probably in general, I don't know a lot of people that are Buddhists, but their approach is very different than uh, other cultures and other religions they're very uh, stoic and quiet and uh the reverence they had for this lady for their mother was just unbelievable it was beautiful and in that chapter in my book i talk about uh, for example her son-in-law when he was feeding her soup he did it with such purpose and reverence as if that was the most important thing he had to do and at that point, it was. So that was an example to me of how Buddhism touched this whole family and helped them uh, as they knew that they were going to be losing their, their mother and grandmother, um, you know, as death was was certainly coming soon. So I do see um, in a case like that and in other cases as well, where the families can use their faith to, to help them be stronger and to cope with uh, the death of their loved one. And, you know, they're giving physical care, too. So very often they're they're tired. You know, they're human and they get tired. And that's where our team comes in and says, well, let us send the health aid in to give you a couple hours break. Let us send the volunteer in. Um, we had a harpist that would come in and play some gentle music. We had pet therapy. So the, uh, a dog and a cat would be brought in. And all this would give people a break um, knowing that yes, their faith w- was sustaining them, but they were still human. So it kind of all fit together and the, the plan uh,
0: usually worked out very well for everybody. Yeah. Thank you for sharing. I mean, there's sure. probably a wealth. I, I know that there's a wealth of information in the book. I would like to read one of your uh, reviews that you got on Amazon, which sure. I thought was very positive. Someone said, uh, it, it, the the title says compassionate and informative. It says. Um, when I when this book arrived I thought it'd be a quick read however okay. it was written with so much compassion that I wanted to slow down and treasure each chapter as I read it oh, the author is a hospice nurse who who must seem like an angel to her patients okay. and their families her stories touched my heart and brought back my treasured memories of when I was a hospice volunteer some oh, 40 wow. years ago when you're helping someone on life's Final journey. It's an honor to be there with them and their families. The author is obviously very knowledgeable, but what comes across to me is the size of her loving and caring heart. Love this book. I mean, that's a very wow. nice uh, comment. I, I, that person wrote about your book.
1: Thank you. I didn't happen to read that one, but thank you. That was whoever it was. Thank you very much. And yes,
0: um, wow. I'm
1: I'm humbled by the whole thing. Very 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 much. Wow. Yes.
0: Now, are you? Up currently scheduling or would you like to schedule say some speaking engagements because i do think that this topic is great for families for nursing homes for assisted living facilities sure. other organizations so tell us about that i mean if you did if you did do this what type of things would you like to talk about during uh say a live a live talk at right.
1: a Well, I have done that. And like you mentioned, when you were reading uh, my bio, uh, service organizations, you know, men's clubs, one of the churches in Bethlehem, the Sertoma Club, um, one of the, you get to know a lot of undertakers, funeral directors when you're hospice nurse, as odd as that might sound. So uh, Stanley Stevens of the Stevens Funeral Home uh, belonged to the Suroptimist Club. And he invited me to to speak at one of the meetings so i talk about hospice and end-of-life care i take questions now prior to writing the book obviously i didn't have a book to talk about but then i talk about that uh, i spoke to um a class from uh, lehigh community college of nurses aides because their instructor was an rn keith mcclellan that i've known for years and he asked me to speak to them so i did um i had several book signings in the area where people would come and uh Well, buy a book, or maybe they would bring a book that they already bought online and uh, I would take questions there. Um, A friend of mine actually uh, put one of my poems, which is not in the book. um, I did write a poem called Before You Go, but it didn't come to me till after the book was published, oddly enough. So my uh, music a friend, Jim Steger, excellent guitar player, put it to to uh, music. So we had a book signing slash a little uh, uh, review, if you will, or um, outcoming of the song at a place that people in the area probably know called Godfrey Daniels Coffee House in Bethlehem. So we, uh, we previewed this, not previewed, we introduced the song and um, the rest of it, about 25 people, Bathsheba and Paul were there, and it was a great day, it really was, to to hear about hospice and hear about my book and answer questions. Right now, I don't have any um, engagements on my calendar. I have a few calls out. Uh, I really do enjoy talking to student groups or nursing groups or, you know, uh, civic groups, anyone, anyone that's willing to listen, because like you mentioned, and thank you for that, it is such an important topic. And, you know, our, our Eastern, uh, western I should say our western civilization is very much different than the eastern as far as our the way we accept death and that we are such a youth oriented culture so saying that talking about death seems taboo to some people but um it's something that if it's approached in a certain way I think uh, people will listen and that's kind of my goal to have more people listen
0: Yes, absolutely. I agree with you. And what you said about the Western culture too, we are a very youth oriented culture, uh-huh. let's face it. I mean, all the way around. Sure. So death right. is going to happen to all of us at some point in our right. lives. Right? So, I mean, it is right. wonderful that you wrote this book. Um, tell us how was the process of writing the book for you? What was that like? I mean, cause writing a book is never an easy thing. It isn't. So I'd love to share well, I, if you could a little bit about that.
1: Sure. Well, you know, people would say, again, how did you do it? Well, did you have all this written down? And this might sound almost unbelievable, but it was all in my head and my heart. And so as as soon as I made the decision to write the book, everything came back to me. Um, and my style is probably a little bit dinosaur, but <laughs> I would start out with my, um, my uh, notebook, my spring, notebook and i i hand wrote it and then i would read over it and then i would go to word on the computer and type it in and um then i would be able to see my words so as i would do each chapter then i would remember things about someone else and i tried to represent different faiths different age groups different disease processes so i have i have a uh, um fairly newborn, and I was gonna ask you if I could, I'd like to to read a poem that I wrote for, well, his name in my book was Matthew. Um, and then I have elderly people, I have all ages.
0: Yes, feel free things. to please read the poem. Yeah, so. uh, we we're yeah. coming a little closer to the end of the program. It'd be a great way for us to end it in, ter- in terms of uh, a little discussion too.
1: Okay, should I do that now? Read the poem?
0: Absolutely. Yes. Please do read the poem. Okay.
1: This is, uh, in my book, he's, is the camera. Okay. I'm trying to get the book in front of me. Um, in the book, he's Matthew. He was born with a a condition of his, um, gastrointestinal tract whereby um, he wouldn't live long because there was no connection between the intestines, the stomach. And uh, I won't go into a lot of the, the medical part of it, but so he was brought home to die. And, uh, um, given a prognosis of probably about a week. His parents were young and you can read him, read about him, Matthew, if you have my book or when you get my book. And the poem is called The Littlest Angel. Tiny little baby, no bigger than a breath. Your time on earth has not been long. God sent you to teach us to love, keep faith, and always be strong. Your mother holds you oh so close as your father kisses your cheek they know you are like a fleeting star one they would so love to keep but the angels are waiting for you to come home even though you've not had much time a miracle happened the day you were born every breath you took was like a rhyme you taught us how to love and care with each heartbeat you stayed strong it may have been a fleeting life but to us you will always belong with pain and tears i will let you go Heaven will now be your home. Until we meet on that special day when you no longer will be alone. To turn the page, sorry. <laughs> I will look for you in the rising sun, in the shadow of the moon. I will see your face in each new cloud. The rain will sing you a tune. So hold on, precious angel boy. You are truly a chosen one. Your love will be my sustenance until my life is done.
0: That was absolutely beautiful. Thank you so much for sharing that. Thank,
1: thank and you, you know, that, that <laughs> touches
0: you. the heart of those parents too, I'm sure. And I hope that they read that, saw right. that, and were really blessed by it. And it brings healing, that's what it does. It brings healing to other people. Another beautiful that review that you got was um, someone that said it was a beautifully written insight into hospice work. This is from Amazon. It says the book is from the heart and also gives an educational insight into what hospice care is. The person says that I'm a massage therapist that's worked with hospice patients for eight years. While reading this book, it's as though Linda has put down on paper the feelings I feel in my heart for my patients. So much love goes into hospice work, and if anyone's wanting to learn more about what it is about, I highly recommend this book. So um, please Uh, do, to all of you, go on Amazon. It's got a five-star review uh, before you go. And again, Uh the subtitle is, A Hospice Nurse Shares Her Experiences Caring for Her Dying Patients, Linda J. Mancinelli, RN linda thank you so much oh. for joining me on this program it's been an honor to host oh you're you. welcome
1: oh well thank you so much for having me um I, oh, can i say something very quickly yes matthew um, uh, his mother was concerned that he wasn't baptized and uh so we arranged a baptism our chaplain baptized him we bought him a little baptismal i'll call it a vest that we laid on him i made a cake we celebrated and what a joy that his mother and father knew that he was baptized before he died mm. so i just wanted to put that in there those are the types of little things that are non-medical that a hospice team will do to uh, help ease the pain and bring a little more uh peace of mind to families but i thought that was
0: important um uh, to know that <laughs> oh it's very important thank you so much again yes. and i'll You're make welcome. another shout out to our friend bath sheba monk and her good work for yes, her in books <laughs> And we will see all of you here next week, or excuse me, we're every, we're the first and third Friday of every month on the Anne DeSantis YouTube channel. Please do subscribe. We'll see you then. And God bless.
1: Thanks Anne. Bye bye.
0: The St. Raymond Onatus Foundation for Freedom, Family and Faith was founded in 2015 by the Mercedarian Religious Order with a mission to make pastoral outreach to families in crisis. The Friars came together after attending the World Meeting of Families in Philadelphia with hopes of creating a foundation which could help those families and individuals who have faced tough times and need to know that the church cares and is there to help. Since that time when we were founded, the foundation has helped hundreds of families by offering prayer, priestly consultations, podcasts and videos, and programs and events. Whether it is something to do with divorce or separation, trauma, job loss, loss of a loved one, relationship issues, or other crisis, the Foundation has seen lives transformed through the services we provide. Pope Francis has referred to our world as a field hospital, where there are a great deal of individuals and families who feel abandoned and they need the special outreach of those who truly care and wish to show the face of God to others. As a foundation, that is what we do every day, and we're grateful to people like you who help to make a difference for families in crisis. Please pray for us and for our mission. Would you consider a one-time, or recurring gift? Please go to nonatus.org to donate. Thank you sincerely from all of us at the St. Raymond Onatus Foundation for Freedom, Family, and Faith.